It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hey, 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 thanks for joining us. Real quick promise, please find us and follow us at Mistreat Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have curated content on Pinterest and Flipboard. Check out our channels on TikTok and YouTube, and if you would be so kind, like that famous prince we all know, please show us some love and rate and review us. Positive vibes only, right? But first... Champagne. Hi, welcome to the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I am your host, Carrie. And I am Larissa. Good morning. It seems like it's always morning when we record, but that's okay. Good day to all of you. So we have lots of stuff going on before you leave for all your trips and gallivanting and all that. Oh, you know, I'm a jet setter girl. <laughs> right. I just watched yesterday, literally, a documentary that's out on Netflix about Jimmy Savile or Seville. Savile, yes. Oh my God, the child molester? Yes. <sighs> He's very intuitive. You do a terrific job, Jimmy. No, that's all front. That's all lies. <laughs> he was making the screen in front of him. It's like you couldn't see through it. He knew fame and power gave him every door. I am a voluntary helper. Sometimes, when nobody's looking, I help the lasses. It turns out, everywhere he'd been, there'd been abuse. There's another seat that can catch me out, ladies and gentlemen. But they can't really catch me out. I've got eyes all over the head, you see. First of all, he is such a weird person, even in the 70s. Like, he just acted like he was on crack. He was out of his mind. Yeah, his he was not attractive. And I cannot get over, well, I can because people do protect these type of personalities because the police Mm -hmm. would refuse to take report. But the fact that they actually went in his biographer and had letters from the royal family to Jimmy, he was basically advising. Did you watch this? He was basically advising Prince Charles on what matters he should pay attention to and that the queen should have go-to person when things happen. I mean, literally, that's how in-depth he was. Charles was asking his opinion on how to reach out to the people. He even asked him to advise Prince Duchess of York, Fergie, on media matters. And this was before he went to prison, right? He never did. As the abuse sexual scandal surrounding Jimmy Savile focuses on the high-profile connections and relationships the former presenter enjoyed, it was the turn of Prince Charles and Princess Diana's former royal press officer, Dickie Arbiter, to speak out and describe how Savile targeted young women wearing short sleeves during visits to the royal couple. Arbiter, speaking to the Guardian newspaper, said Savile would seize young secretaries by the arm and then run his lips up to their shoulder. He added if it was summer, his bottom lip would curl out and he would run it up their arms. This was at St James's Palace and he added that Savile's behaviour was a cause for concern. 
Reports of Savile's unusual behaviour in rural circles came about as details emerged of a surprise role for him as a councillor for Prince Charles and Princess Diana during their marital difficulties and a request from Prince Charles to help with the image of Sarah Ferguson. The intimate access Savile enjoyed to the royal inner circle did puzzle some. He gave his own explanation, however, of it during an interview saying that royalty gets surrounded by people who don't know how to deal with it. I think I get invited because I have a natural, good, fun way of getting on and we have a laugh. They don't get too many laughs. Okay, so let me let me backtrack. So he was top of the pops, DJ. Yeah. And then he became this huge like he's on a ton of shows on bbc yeah and suddenly all these like programs have disappeared from the bbc from the 70s by the way wow so then he also did a lot of fundraising specifically for this one hospital that raised over 10 million pounds at the time i don't even know it would be much more in today's Mm -hmm. money and that was for paralyzed people but he also did a lot of volunteer work like he went to a girl's home and would just take three teenage adolescent girls and just drive away with them. Like he had unwarranted, I mean, unsupervised visitation so much with children. Very suspect there. He even, they were showing a lot of interview clips and towards the end of his life, like he was basically saying dirty things that he would do, like just joking. He dies. They put a huge monument up for him. And it said it was good while it lasted. Well, then all of a sudden, a few women came out and and their stories had been stopped by the British media yeah from being exposed even though that they had some validation to verify their stories and after his death it was some time they came out and said well you know we didn't release this when he was alive and all that and the public were so upset they're like he's dead you should leave him alone he's a national treasure because he was got his knighthood yeah you know and he was so wonderful with the royal family and all these things well then these three cases became four then 50 then basically over 400 women came forward that between the ages of five and 75 (gasps) that they were sexually assaulted or raped by him and they were very specific in their accounts they're He would take advantage of people that there was a young girl in that paralyzed hospital. She had brain damage and witness Kate. Yeah. No. So they finally did something about it and people were upset and they had to take away his tombstone in the middle of the night because things were being defaced. BBC journalist Marion Jones had been investigating rumors surrounding Savile for years, but no one would talk. He was always in the back of my mind. I asked around at the BBC, there were plenty of stories, but I could never get to a victim or a witness or anything like that. Then, Marion came across a little-known blog that included graphic details of abuse suffered at the hands of a person named J.S. The author of the blog described how she and her friends were sexually abused by J.S. in a Rolls-Royce and at Television Centre. I read a self-penned autobiography on the web, and that was the point at which I really thought we're in a position where we could do something here. All I had to believe that the JS she was talking about was Jimmy Savile. Marion and the team at BBC's Newsnight tracked down the witness who confirmed that JS was indeed Jimmy Savile. 
In addition, she claimed that she saw Gary Glitter having sex with a young schoolgirl in Jimmy Savile's dressing room. When the girls went out in the Rolls-Royce with Jimmy Savile, he demanded sexual favours from them. When they went to Television Centre, others became involved, specifically Gary Glitter. The whole account made everything look very much darker. Glitter later denied the allegations. You saw in London, they have those little houses, the uh, yeah. not little houses. They have the plaques where it says who lived there before. Yes. yes. They took all that down. So now he's not so much of a national treasure. Now he's just a national embarrassment. But he died pretty young, didn't he? No, he was older. He was old. He, was old. he died mean, in like, like 2011. But he was only like 70. Oh, right? well, he smoked like a chimney. I'll look him up. What but a piece of garbage. They oh, made my God. The British family. I really think in our modern age, it's going to be virtually impossible for the royal family to exist. I think their role is going to keep being reduced, be reduced, reduced, because the press doesn't protect them like they used to. Their social media, it's just not as relevant. I mean, I really think Elizabeth is going to be like the last monarch, but at that time period, I mean, nobody knew about Kennedy till he died. All these people that we I mean, up. And that's the thing. I was reading that article about Edward VIII and, you know, I knew that he was a piece of garbage for colluding with the Nazis, but man, was he a piece of garbage. He basically wanted them to destroy his brother, bomb Kensington Palace, bomb Buckingham Palace, bomb everything into submission. And then I will rule a puppet state. So Wallace can have some grand tours under her belt. In the closing days of the Second World War, a shocking find was made by the Allies. German files were found buried in the forests of Germany and recovered. These documents are very important because the Germans never expected the Allies to have them. They were supposed to be destroyed at the end of the war. They were of communications between the foreign ministry in Berlin and German secret service agents. And it gives us literally a day-by-day -day account of the Duke's involvement with the Nazi regime. The Duke that they're referring to is the former King Edward VIII, the Duke of Windsor, who'd been forced to abdicate in December 1936. I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility without the help and support of the woman I love. It's a choice between remaining king or marrying Mrs. Simpson. He can't have both. He can't have his cake and eat it. Wallace Simpson has been presented as the villain of the piece. What that did was it stopped everyone from really examining Edward and looking at the man he was and his motives. This is not about abdicating the throne. This is a man who will stop at nothing to usurp the throne. Edward wanted to come back as a Nazi installed leader. We have the cabinet minutes. The whole thing was completely downplayed in a classic Whitehall cover-up. Give you have to give background on on the other documentary about this one, 
the, about Edward and what you, yeah, you got to set it up. I didn't, I didn't see the documentary. This well, no, just, just set up the article because the article okay. basically gives you all okay. the points. So Edward VIII, um, when, when he abdicated his throne to be with Wallace, he started hanging out with Hitler, basically, because he thought he was flashy and trendy. Oh, my God. Um, so he started hanging out with the Nazis, and he was willing to collude with the Nazis so that they would put him in power once England surrendered, he literally wanted the Germans to bomb the shit out of England to make them submit. Then they would take over, create a puppet state, and he would rule as the king of the puppet state. So this was all after he abdicated the throne and said, I want to be with my divorcee and we're going to go off into the south of France. The whole time they were like taking meetings with Hitler. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it's crazy. Yeah, he was like, keep bombing. You're getting close. And I do think he was very jealous of his brother. Recently, I've been going through different phases of documentaries and period pieces I've been watching. And apparently, even dating back to, you know, Queen Victoria and prior to that, there was a lot of relationships basically from like Henry VIII on between the royal family in Germany specifically because they were considered another Protestant country. And so they didn't want the royals really marrying non-Protestants. They didn't want a Catholic monarch because, I mean... It is partially what brought down uh, King Charles. But one of the things I thought was fascinating, and this wasn't even on our topic list today, the fact that the three cousins were raised together. They were the grandchildren of Queen Victoria, not necessarily together, but they played together as cousins. They grew up together. Yes. Yeah. The Kaiser of Germany, Uh Tsar Nicholas. Really? Yeah. And so there was a lot of family ties is partially what caused World War One is they basically went to war against each other. These weird historian Andrew Cook believes he has found the crucial missing pieces in the hidden lives of three monarchs at war. And George's letters to his cousin Nicholas offer a rare insight into life at the heart of the club. It's very much like looking over the shoulder of, of George as he's writing these letters. My dear Nicky, May and I are sending you a book of Windsor Castle, which I thought would interest you. I've just had, we had a good day shooting today and got 2,000 pheasants and 120. I'm sending you two boxes, which contain about 80,000 stamps. Ever your devoted cousin and friend, Georgie. He's talking about the weather, he's talking about his family, he's talking about Nicholas's family, at the self-same time that he's talking about quite significant world events. But there was trouble at the heart of the club. Georgie's letters to Tsar Nicholas reveal his true feelings towards the third cousin, Queen Victoria's eldest grandson, Kaiser William, Emperor of Germany. My dearest Nicky, I saw William at Coburg the other day, and he seemed more excitable than ever. He hardly spoke to me at all, which was a good thing. William fitted very neatly into that classic Edwardian character type the club bore. He was a man who was constantly animated with new enthusiasms, motor cars, yachts, ships, you name it. And he loved to pin someone in the corner and uh, to share his enthusiasm with them. Behind William's back, George and Nicholas shared their lack of enthusiasm for their difficult cousin. My dear Nicky, now Papa is sending me for William's birthday, rather a bore. But I shall be there a very short time. He's the kind of person that you dread sitting next to on a transatlantic flight. He was a man of 
indescribable arrogance and vanity. The, the consensus within the family was, dodge William if you possibly can at, at big gatherings. My dear old Nicky, how did you get on with William when you met him this summer? Inevitably, club gatherings were state occasions, and Kaiser William was a wild card. William, it has to be said, was fantastically indiscreet. We know that King Ferdinand of, of uh, Bulgaria left Berlin white-hot with rage because William had uh, made so bold as to smack him on the bottom in public. Uh, in 1904, he playfully broke a field marshal's baton over the shoulders of Duke, Grand Duke Vladimir of Russia, uh, and so on. So he was someone who was given to effusive, tactless acts, which often offended people. I will take a moment to tell you a Kaiser joke. Um, <laughs> ring a ring a ring, ring a ring a ring. Pick up yeah. the phone, please. Okay, hello. Yes, is uh, Prince Albert there? Uh, no. Do you have Prince Albert again? <laughs> I really messed up. Joke. Sorry. Anyway, his jokes, his jokes were very bad. It was they, very bad. They were very, very much so. What was interesting is when the czar, the Russian Revolution was going mm. down, King George didn't take him in. Didn't he had the chance to save the czar and his wife? Oh, he didn't. He didn't take him in because he didn't. He didn't want his own throne to be compromised. Solid. Yeah, well, yeah, and have people start questioning, why do we need a royal family here? Like, somehow it's contagious. And even towards the end of his life, he never really owned that. It was, like, blamed on other people. Like, he just glossed over it, like, didn't even. It's funny because, you know, Edward VIII, his story wasn't really brought to the forefront until the crown. I hate to say it, but it became it became glaringly evident what a piece of garbage he was. And the crown pretty much highlighted what a piece of garbage he was. Oh, my. Yeah. And you know what I think, too, when I was saying before about how can the monarchy last? I think just a lot of records and stuff are coming to the forefront. Light, I think, yeah. yeah, things are being more exposed. I hope it was worth it for Wallace. She didn't want. She did not want him. She was in love with somebody else. She got stuck with him. <laughs> she got stuck smoking her Paul Malls in bed mm -hmm. with. Oh, sounds like my mom. You know that he had some, he had definitely had some fetishes too. He was weird. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of weird, but you know, not, there's some interesting fetishes that, that go on in the United Kingdom. I'm just going to put that out there. Ooh, I love your eyes right now. You're like, guess read between my, read between my eyes. No, I mean, they can be rather kinky. Okay, to give you an example, I just listened to this. I just listened to this podcast. There's something about Miriam. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, you probably never would have been able to get away with this. But in 2011, I believe they did a reality show where they took a trans woman who still had uh, male genitalia. Mm -hmm. They took a trans woman who was gorgeous. Her name was Miriam. And they had seven British guys vying for her love who did not know that she was trans. It was a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Because some of these guys actually fell for her mm -hmm. and they did the big reveal at the end. And it just, it just all came tumbling down. There were lawsuits involved. Uh, Miriam ultimately ended up committing suicide like years later, but it was just the worst possibly 
the worst taste in programming, but they were really willing to be edgy in England, but edgy in a bad way. Yeah. And edgy did you see in... the Lady Boys one? I did see the Lady Boys one. And a lot of uh, guys from England and even Australia will go to Thailand and Malaysia to find a Lady Boy to marry and be with. I tried to find them. I wanted updates. I actually tried to find them. Did you? Because I couldn't find him. I wanted I wanted to see the update. Yeah, because he, he loved her, loved her. But anyway, it's just weird. They're very much, it seems like they're conservative, but they're not really that conservative. I agree. They're the ones that have like the most scandal. Uh, the, one of the characters, you know, when I was obsessed with the show Ghosts is actually mm-hmm. based upon one of the MPs that got caught snorting oh. cocaine off a stripper at one of their... Yeah, I mean, there's like, kinky sex toys involved it's all very uh yes yeah uh it's you know they come off as very proper crude crudish and proper but that show harlots i didn't see it my older daughter is one of the brightest stars in london and i intend no less for lucy you overreach yourself you underestimate me don't your mother was never strong enough. You surpass her in every way. Be careful. Your head is in the lion's mouth. <laughs> Isabella Fitzwilliam. I could ruin her with one sentence. What do you want? You friends of high standing. How many men have you had? I'm a harlot. I don't keep count. Okay, so it was written, that book, it's based on a true book that was written by the same author as Five from... The Jack the Ripper. And so I've been talking to McKenna because she's been watching a lot of Regency era period mm-hmm. pieces. And I told her, you have to really look through it through the lens of that time. Like you can't judge the women by today's standards because yeah. options weren't open. But literally, I think it said statistically, there was like one in five. I hope I'm right. One in five women during the 1700s were, were sex workers. I, I don't doubt that. They would publish catalogs basically each year, basically giving like Yelp reviews on the courtesans and the, uh, the you know, ones. yeah. And the brothels and all that. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't doubt that for a minute because that was one of the only ways to make money at that time. If you were female, your husband died, you know, you're basically out there thinking, let's do one more topic. Okay. Before we sign off from our last topic, I was listening to Heather McDonald today and she had Dr. Drew on and we just don't see Dr. Drew anymore because I guess he got in some trouble about COVID or whatever. And they took down a lot of his shows, but he was talking about how he had written this book ages ago about narcissism and like Chelsea Handler took a narcissist test, which she's a narcissist. He was like, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're a narcissist. Very interesting kind of reflections, but he started getting into sociopaths and psychopaths and all that, right? Because it's a natural and borderline. He said a lot less women are narcissists because that they will usually have borderline personality disorder. <laughs> yeah. And then he brought up Theranos because he started talking about celebrities related. Are you kidding me? He really did. He brought me up. Yes. He said that she was a psychopath because she didn't have feelings. She didn't feel guilt. She just thought, oh, we'll just turn this thing into something bigger and better. Or... But how does he know? Because he's never spent enough time with me. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I've been watching the, um, even though I did the deep dive on Theranos in the beginning, I'm watching the Hulu Amanda Seyfried, mm-hmm. Seyfried 
she is amazing as Elizabeth Holmes, by the way, this whole transition of the, I'm just wondering how much of it is spot on because they take some liberties, but they had to go really deep into finding out some, like how her voice transitioned that relationship with Sonny Balwani, by the way. Oh my God. And my poor little lamb, um, George Schultz's grandson, Tyler. Oh, my little baby lamb. I love him. She basically said in a text to the to her boyfriend there, her lover, I don't really feel anything. I just don't feel feelings like other people, but I do know I love you. That's all I know. She didn't have. She didn't obviously didn't feel anything because it, it could have failed so many times. And the only way it didn't is because she just lied and lied and lie on top of lie and more lies. So in order to lie that much and have that high stakes, you have to be a sociopath. You absolutely have to be because she didn't even take into consideration how many lives would be ruined. A lot of the younger people, Theranos and even the Tindler Swindler, they try to come across like they have these big successful companies or You'll hear of people and you're like, even from Shaws of Sunset, you're like, what exactly does he do? They want to be at the top where that top is, you have to climb the ladder. Hers wasn't even so much about money. Hers was just about, she wanted to be famous. It's ego. She wanted to be, it was totally about ego. She's, but how much time will she do (laughs) with the baby? Do you think she'll have to do any time? I think she had the baby just for, because of to get out of jail. I feel bad for the baby. That's going to be its mother. The judge just sentenced Elizabeth Holmes to 11 years, three months in prison, plus another three years of supervised release, as well as a $400 fine. Now, she is also on the hook for possible restitution. That is going to be handled at a separate event. So this was just about the prison sentence. Again, 11 years and three months in prison. They will set a future date with the parties to determine restitution. She could be on the hook for more than $800 million in that situation. But today, uh, again, just the 11 years, three months in prison, plus a $400 fine. Now, there were more than 100 people who wrote in to the judge in support of Elizabeth Holmes. Ciao, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. me again and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at miss intrigue pod follow us on pinterest and flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty chronicles of interesting events in history and of course true crime lastly check out our youtube channel because everyone has one right 
that features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinion of any entity whatsoever with which carry misdeeds or intrigue podcast or larissa have been am now or will be affiliated the content of this podcast is for personal informational and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use misdeeds and intrigue podcast respects the intellectual property of others any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain free use sites and or from youtube or other authorized sites to gather information the utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email carrie at com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.